I win one game. I mean, that was the goal and that was the mission here tonight. You gotta start with one, you know, and give yourself a chance. Um, you know, we, we now, obviously, they, they are in full control here. It's on us now to make it uncomfortable for them and uh, not go away. So, still have a tremendous amount of belief in our group. We just lost three games in a row. Florida won three games in a row. Can we win three in a row and, and make it real hard and, and then earn ourselves a game seven? That would be the goal for us, but obviously that starts with one win. Final hour of the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sheldon Keith. I, I, I got to be honest, didn't learn much from the post game yesterday. Say less. Take the fine. I know normally when I say take the fine, it's because I want him to say more, and it's in the direction of the officials. That is normally what I mean when I say take the fine. Everybody should have taken the fine and not talked last night. Mm. There was no, there was not one word other than I'm a failure, we have failed, that anybody wanted to hear that was going to do anybody a lick of good. And guess what? These guys will tell you saying that out loud is not good for your mentality, and I'm sure all that's true. But my goodness, there was not a word that could have come out of that Leafs I don't know, podium, dressing room, wherever they're talking. these I know it's not Zooms anymore. Wherever they're talking these days, there's no good words that could have come out of it. The only thing that elicited an emotion for me was Mitch Marner saying B-way. A cutesy little phrase after a 3 nothing. Oh, like for a breakaway. Yeah, he was talking about Joe Wall and his introduction to the game and how he had to deal with a B-way. I don't know if I am more irate that I'm (laughs) hearing this now or that nobody told me about this before we came on the air at (laughs) 6 o'clock. That would have been the whole lead. I didn't want to disrupt things too much. Oh, Betty. Oh, I hope he didn't have one of his hats on. Well, he said that that would be the <laughs> no, all time. No hat yet. Okay. Let's get to our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit Don Valley North That insider is Joshua cloak. Maple Leafs reporter at the athletic. Good morning, Josh. You're in Florida. How's, uh, how's the vibe over there? Well, the vibe around my hotel room where the sun is shining and, and the waves look to have calmed from yesterday is Ooh. great. The vibe by, I don't even know what we're calling it now, FLA Live Arena. Um, I believe that's it. You know, considerably less um, buoyant. So, yeah, (laughs) depends on where you are in South Florida, I guess. Okay, so a lot of talk about our Leaf fans going to get into the building. What actually was the scene down there? I got to give Florida Panthers fans credit. I mean, the ones that do exist. Uh, It feels like they had a decent home crowd, but there were Leaf fans in attendance. What was the ratio? Because we were kind of uh, hypothesizing Mm. exactly what it might look like down there before the game. Like less than like a typical Leafs um, regular season game. But still, there were noticeable amounts of Leafs fans there. Like, I spent my first intermission, you know, walking around the concourse talking to Leafs fans. And, you know, there was a good mix of, of people that, like, live in Florida and are Leafs fans. So they have, like, a Leafs – or, sorry, um, an American credit card so they could get, you know, tickets pretty easily. You know, there are a mix of fans that, that got tickets through third-party sites. Um, so they had no problem. But plenty of fans that I talked to that flew down that day – and, you know, in the first intermission, I, I, I talking to these fans, I heard, you know, words like passion and excitement a lot. Um, I, I don't know if I'd be hearing those kind of words uh, post-game, you know, when they were leaving the arena. Uh, but, no, to, to answer your question, there were plenty of Leafs fans there. Um, they just made their presence a little less known towards the end of the game. You wouldn't be hearing the words pride and courage out of them describing the Leafs team. I could tell you that much. Uh, passion that unites us all. Yeah, very much so. Honor, pride, courage on the inside of the sweater. Uh, maybe a, a little less. I mean, 
it felt like that game, if I just watched the first five minutes of it, and I did because I watched all 60-plus minutes of the game that we saw last night, but the first five minutes, you're saying, ah, exactly what the Leafs needed. Matthews walks in, rips one off the bar, another two-on-one chance, Lafferty buries. All right, this is great. You're off and running. You finally got a lead. You should be able to have a better night, and then it felt like the game just went away. It's almost the polar opposite of the game they played at home where they had a bad one minute that undid them. It felt like they had a good five minutes and then put their feet up. What did you see out of last night's game from the Leafs? I saw what could be the breaking point for this core. Like, and, and, and I think at this point we have no choice, but to kind of look forward, you know, with this group. But I do think like if we look back years from now and write the book on this era of this Leafs team, that this this core, the core four, and 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 Morgan Riley, and and everything that goes along with it, you do wonder if this is the game that we look at and say that was the turning point for this team. That was the point where you look at this team and say they might just not have what it takes to win in the playoffs, because everything was setting this this game up, you know, as a must win one, right? And and like you said, they had a good start. But there just seemed to be a disconnect between, you know, what players said going into the game and even what players said after the game and the performance on the ice. Because, you know, the lack of production is is one thing, but like, you know, the amount of turnovers, the amount of, of, of gaffes, the amount of self-inflicted errors and the lack of just push. And these are all kind of intangibles, but I think we all saw the same thing. We saw a team that didn't play with, you know, any shred of urgency. And it's the same kind of urgency that they talked about pregame as kind of, you know, essential to the game. So I I, I do wonder if we're going to look back at this game because, you know, coming into this, this, this game, flying down to Florida, the the whole talk around the series was, well, I mean, if they can win game three, they're right back in the series and they've been fine on the road. Right. And, And Florida still seems, kind of breakable because they were in game two. Um, you just have to win one and you're, you're right back in the series. And it's strange how much, you know, one overtime goal can just change the course of the franchise, but that's, that's the nature of the game. Um, but again, to show up in the manner they did, I don't think disappointing kind of um, is, is even accurate. Like this is, this is a complete failure to, to realize how big the moment was. And I think the questions about whether the players you know, the the core of this team can put up the necessary performances in those big moments. I think those questions are justified. I mean, we've been, you know, trying to figure out exactly the, 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 the why, right? The why has been on everyone's mind forever. Why can't it look like it should look? Do you have any explanation for it? um, That the, that the core four looked the way that it did, I mean, you know, there's always like a reason why there's like a coaching reason or it's whatever between the ears. There's always something that you could like if you asked Austin Matthews and had the truth serum, like, why did it look like the way it is? He would have some sort of explanation, I guess, from what you see, because it is the unexplainable. How do you explain the unexplainable? It is it is like if I was able to explain it. Right. I think my paycheck would be looking a lot different. Um, But you know, I, I think what's concerning to, to to me, just kind of as an observer, is it. And you guys talked about this in the lead up, like listening to some of these players post game. Um, I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to to say this on radio. Like they just didn't seem pissed off, 
right? And, and I think oh, you can say you know, it <laughs> today. You well, can say it. Well, here's like here's the thing. Like everybody handles their emotions differently. There are a lot of people, and I'll put myself in this bucket. Like if you have a bad day at work, you get pissed off. Mm-hmm. You don't always, but you know, you, you get pissed off because you did things wrong, and you get you get pissed off because it. it you didn't get the bounces and, and, and you get pissed off because, you know, it it's going to take you, you know, X amount of hours to try and make it right again. I didn't see or hear any of that. And maybe players are like maybe behind closed doors, you know, players are, you know, angry. But I think it would have gone a long way to, you know, to kind of justify, I guess, their performance, maybe with Leafs fans to show some of that anger. And there just there there wasn't any of that anger, so that's the only thing that I can point to right now is that there was a a lack of. I, again, I don't think their emotion met the moment. And these again, these are intangibles. Does 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 that? How can we quantify that? We can't. Like what what you know, Matthews and Marner and Tavares literally needed to do was was score more. Um, so so that's part of it. But just the the lack of emotion was was pretty concerning to me and that's the only reason I can have you know right now yeah I think I and I'm I'm of two minds of it because I'm the same way I you know this is nobody needs this much information about me but it's like yeah I have a bad day at work I carry it with me I am somebody who wears my emotions on my sleeve and I don't need John Tavares to do something out of character for him and be performative in the post game but you would like it to not be performative you would like it to just kind of be natural and the the other part of it that I think is is an issue that we go back to with this team is how much of it, and again, we'll never know the answer because you would need truth serum to get it, but how much of it is a, a woe is me effect with this team? You know, I've made the case that we've seen with past iterations of this Leafs team where you have a backup goalie in and a goal goes in early that shouldn't you say, oh, here we go again, and they just kind of stopped playing. And that hasn't been as much of an issue this year because the goaltending's been so much better. But it looked like just looking at the bench there, looking at the body language, and again, maybe that's unfair, an unfair way to judge things, but you're looking at it and it just looks like a group that's sitting there going oh here it goes again it's happening to us do you think that's fair of me to say because honestly that's how it comes across and that's part and parcel of the post-game comments and it's part and partial of how you see guys you're, you're not seeing fiery exchanges on the bench you see Sheldon Keefe yelling at guys from time to time but it's a one-way conversation you're not seeing it amongst the players you know how much of that is fair for people to read into do you think yeah, I, I think that's fair to an extent. Um, I, I think the Leafs made an effort. I think Kyle Dubas made an effort to bring in the kind of players, you know, this season that, that had either A, you know, had been there before and knew what it took to go deep in the playoffs, like, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari. Um, but those guys also aren't, you know, fiery types. And it's difficult to kind of, you know, to be fiery on when, when you're, you know, one of the new guys on the team. Um, they brought in guys that are a little more, you know, physical, like like Jake McCabe. But again, these are new guys. So I suppose until you, you know, some of these guys have been on the team long enough that they feel comfortable, like again, like to your point, kind of getting into it with guys and, and really trying to raise the, the, the intensity level. I, I don't know. I guess, again, like until you, and, and I know this is a cliche, but like until you do it, you, you just don't know how to do it. Like until you get over, really get over that hump and, and know how to win in the playoffs, you just, you don't know. And I, I just, that's what I see from this team right now is just a, 
a lack of understanding of how do you push through? How do you how do you turn the switch? Um, and and that's really concerning because it's not as if they haven't had multiple kicks at the can here, right? Like this isn't this isn't you know the, the leaps of 2018, 2019, where they're you know they they had they earned the right to to kind of get another you know chance from fans because they're they're young and they're learning. Like that's what's most concerning to me here too, right? Is that this isn't a team that that can say, well, we learned, we'll get them next year. Like at some point, you know, you 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 can take the exam so many times, but if you keep failing, like, do you really deserve to to get to take the bar exam again? You know what I mean? Well, they've also won. They just won a series, and that was always the thing. It was like, hey, they finally win a series, shackles off, free liberation. Like they were they are gonna go on a rocket ship towards the moon, and yet Again, faced with adversity, and they have crumbled to the extent that they have. It's honestly, I don't know. Again, it shouldn't be surprising, but it is. And the fact that, no, that they haven't been able to respond to taking a series victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning and looking so vulnerable once again is like, is that proof that these demons that Paul McClain talked about, they will remain omnipresent, like, until something materially changes about how this team is structured? And I think that's probably, you know, we're not talking, we're, we're coming off a loss here and we're not talking at all about tactics. We haven't talked at all about the fact that, you know, the Leafs starting goalie left the game. What's concerning to, you know what I mean? Like we haven't talked at all about the fact that, you know, one of their most, we have it all morning. Well, the, the, you know, one of their most consistent forwards, Matt Nyes, like wasn't in the game. Like the, the, there's no, there's nothing tactical that we can go over here that, that will justify the performance. I think, it's that emotional aspect that I think we're going to keep coming back to. And I do wonder if this is the game, like, you know, you kind of hinted at it, that, that makes a lot of people within Leafs management, upper management go, we got to make a change. We, we, we can't keep running it back again. Like, what's the definition of insanity, right? Like, I, I genuinely wonder, that was one of the first thoughts I had. And I've defended this Leafs core a lot because, you look around the league, like who wouldn't want the level of talent on their roster that this Leafs team has? That was always my argument when things, you know, didn't go well year after year is that they'll figure it out. And look, William Nylander had, you know, probably his best season in the NHL and this year in, in, in the regular season. And, you know, Mitch Marner, again, one of the best three right wingers in the league and Austin Matthews showed towards the end of the season that, that he still, he, you know, still could be a heart trophy candidate, but you know, all, all of that in the regular season. So I do think there comes a point where you have to just say, we can't keep running. We can't keep doing this to our fans. We can't keep running this back and hoping things are going to get different. And you can look at game three as a real catalyst for change. Um, and I, I came away you know, I walked out of that arena last night thinking to myself, like, I will be shocked if a year from now, you know, we're in the playoffs looking at that same core again. Yeah, so let's just, let's let's think about that. What does that look like? I mean, I think we're all of the opinion that, uh, you know, and even if, you, even if you're not somebody of the opinion who you think it's his fault, I think it's it's all but a certainty that Sheldon Keefe is, is likely gone after this series, especially the way this series is playing out. But it continues to go back to, okay, so you trade one of the core four. It's not going to be John Tavares. 
Austin Matthews is set to sign an extension, so that either makes it impossible or it makes it more likely. I could be talked into either camp there. We keep coming back to the crux of trade William Nylander. I don't think that changes anything. And again, you're looking at it, the idea of you're going to bring somebody in here to try to graft a personality onto this group that is not part of this group. In a perfect world, if you traded one of these core four guys, you'd do it for somebody of, or a couple somebodies that of similar salary that could change the complexion of things, but then you still have three of the other core four here, and you need them to become a different version of themselves that you've seen. That's the thing that I think is, is frustrating or confounding to me about what this team does going forward is, okay, let's say you live in the dream, or the dream world for some people, nightmare for others, where you do trade one of the big boys, and let's Let's say it's not even William Nylander. Let's say it was Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner who gets traded. The other three guys are all still there, and you're counting on these new pieces or the change of scenery to change what those guys have been. And I, I, I just think that's the thing is you're not going to blow it up to the point where none of them are here, and I don't know how you win those trades anyways. It, it just seems like they are really jammed in a tight spot here because I agree with everything you say. How can you continue to run it back? But how does it get any better if unless you're going to completely nuke everything? And I don't think anybody thinks that's happening. Like, I actually love this discussion because there's so many layers to it. Like, what you said is really important. You can't win a trade with, like, if you trade out William Nylander or Mitch Marner right now, you can't win that trade. You you, you can't. You're not going to get fair value back because every GM in the league is going to know, you know, what Kyle Dubas or, let's be honest, whoever is making those decisions, you know, a year or whatever from now, they're, they're going to know what they're up against, right? I think there was a lot of people, there was a lot of chatter coming out of this game, you know, amongst the people in the arena. Like, is is this the point where you start to think about trading Mitch Marner as, as you know, does the conversation around trading Mitch Marner get a little louder now, right? William Nylander was always kind of the scapegoat, for lack of a better term. But, I mean, did did either of you see anything in Mitch Marner's performance last night? that would suggest, like, this is a guy that, that can really get it done in the playoffs? He was terrible, Josh. Terrible. Well, well okay. <laughs> that's, that's your job to, 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 to have the takes. But listen, like, I think we can go further than that. Like, look, moving forward, do you, does everyone feel super comfortable, you know, keeping John Tavares as captain? And I'm not saying they should, but this is, like, probably part of the discussion. There's layers to it, right? Does Austin Matthews, who holds all the cards right now, you know, does he look at this team and say, I, yeah, I, I really think eventually we can get it done? Or does he say, you know what, like, I, I, maybe I want to play elsewhere, right? He, he's earned the right to, to, to kind of have that discussion, you know, with, with his crew. Um, I, I think that, again, like William Nylander, you want to trade William Nylander, okay. You're not winning that trade. Like, what are you getting back? Like, is it, is it as easy as, oh, we'll get a first pair defenseman back and, and that'll solve things? Like, that, that's just not going to happen, right? Um, I think the one thing, though, like, you, you, you know, you're right. They're in a tough spot. But I think the one thing here is if one of those players is traded, maybe, 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 maybe that's the sign, that's the jolt that this core needs to say, you know what, we're, we're kind of, for lack of a better term, expendable. Like they were, they were just, they're on such solid ground right now. But if one of them is traded, perhaps that's the wake up call. Perhaps again, like I'm, I'm kind of grasping at straws here clearly, yeah. but perhaps that's the wake up call that they need. Right. I, I just like, 
I'm not sure anything can wake him up. Like, it, honestly, I, I just don't even know. I don't know how you could not be motivated by what just happened against Tampa and the opportunity in front of you, Boston out of your way. Like, I, I don't know why, unless there's, like, hatred, right? And, like, they hate Sheldon Keefe. They hate each other. Like, if something like that is happening, sure, I can see why it would fall apart because th- those sort of situations can be impossible to overcome. But if they truly love each other, want to play for each other, want to play for Keefe. Like, I just don't have any explanation for what we saw. And for that reason, I don't even know if a trade can really do anything because that might be a negative in that they didn't want to see that player go. I I just, I I don't think there's something that's so obvious and that's what makes this summer so intriguing. And And you nailed it with Matthews. Matthews has all the control. John Tavares cannot be moved under, I don't think, any circumstances. William Nylander doesn't get you out of any cap hell. And Mitch Marner, it just seems like you lose that trade. You have no chance of winning it. There's no Matthew Kachuk out there that you can exchange and make yourself better. I don't think like the Panthers want to move him. I, you I, could call. I no, don't think they're doing I, it. I don't think so. Not certainly after these three games. So it's uh, it's almost an impossible scenario to be in. I, I do think it's worth asking you, though, Josh, about the coach. Like, is Because he's the one person that makes the most sense automatically gone if things don't work out because clearly he's not getting the best out of his group. But is there real evidence to suggest that he is failing the Maple Leafs really in any way? I don't know. And, and, and I would lean towards, like, no. I don't, I don't think, like, I'll put it back to you guys. Like, let's say, you know, in three months' time or whatever, like, that's Sheldon Keefe is, is the one that's, like, you know, Leafs management and ownership decides we need to make a change. Let's fire the coach. Like, is anybody really going to say, yeah, that's enough? Right. Like, is is that, you know what I mean? So like, I don't know if that's the kind of necessary change. I think Sheldon Keefe um, has gotten out coached at times in the playoffs, but I think if we are doing a power rankings of who's kind of creating the most, you know, kind of visceral anger amongst the Leafs fan base, like is Sheldon Keefe near the top? I I, I don't know. I, I think Sheldon Keefe's hands are tied in a lot of ways right like he he's done he's kind of like done what what you know he felt or i'm i'm sure the players felt was was best to get the best out of them like he put matthews and marner back together he did the right thing by you know moving john tavares to the wing at times like he had this this he has this great roster and like i just saw the players last night in particular not playing anywhere near to their capabilities i didn't see a coach get out coached last night and consistently like there were moments you know in both series that he got out coached by john cooper yes but i don't know if if this is completely on sheldon keith and that's like i said a because you know it's it's not really a tactical thing and b i don't know if you letting him go is enough to really spark the kind of change needed with this group, if you know what I mean. Yeah, totally. I mean, you look at the way that the, the playoffs have played out over the last, well, his entire tenure here, and it is fair to say, yes, just like every player on this roster, there are criticisms that can be levied at Sheldon Keefe. But, you know, it's like you show me a struggling hockey team, I'll show you a bad goalie. You show me a guy who's getting out coached, I'll show you a guy whose stars aren't showing up. And it's a really easy way to get around being out coached, and that's just having your stars be the best version of themselves. And we've just seen so, <clears throat> excuse 
excuse me, so little of that uh, in, in this playoff run for for Toronto. You know, well, one other thing we've talked about, and you kind of hinted at it, the idea of Kyle Dubas's future. You know, if this playoff failure had gone a different way, and it was the core four showing up, and all of Dubas's deadline moves not paying dividends, I would think it'd be a lot easier to point the finger at him. All he did, now we can quibble about the term they got or a million dollars here or there. He did what everybody in the NHL would have done with a young core four. He locked them up. Now, again, some guys would say, or everybody would say, get the eight-year term, but he did that. When you look at all the moves he made at the deadline, I don't think he can be faulted for being the reason that this Leafs team has fallen down 3 nothing to a Panthers team. Uh, much like with Keith, there is no stone that should go unturned. And I'm not saying you can't make a change at GM, but I don't know, especially the way this season is played out, that I can lay that at, at Dubas's feet specifically. Yeah, again, for me, like I, I referenced it before, if if we are talking power rankings of who deserves, you know, anger from, from Leafs fans, like um, Kyle Dubas is at the bottom of that list for me because, A, he's he's assembled a team – and I know no one wants to hear these two words anymore, but he's assembled a terrific regular season team, right? A team that like is just so consistent over a much larger sample size. Um, and the deadline ads he made um, have been terrific. Like who have been their best players in the playoffs? Like Luke Shen mm. um, outside of oof, a, a really painful turnover last night, like Ryan O'Reilly. Is the is the kind of player that you know this Leafs team really needed? Nola Chari is has been fantastic. Um, even even my boy Eric Gustafson, you know, had a goal last <laughs> night. Like he's, like I think he did a good job at, at also identifying you know the players that in the past um, didn't really show up in the playoffs. Rasmus Sandin, Pierre Engvall, and they shipped those guys out. I don't think this is on Kyle Dubas. Almost at all, really. Like he he's done everything he can to also get this core motivated. Like he he identified gaps, I guess, in in the the mentality. He brought in you know Greg Harden, you know, a renowned performance coach to try and inspire this team. Really like, worked. I, I, well, sure, <laughs> but like he's he, trying. No, no, he's I'm with you. I'm with you. Sorry, yeah. I'm just I'm lashing out, Josh. Okay, you're right. You're right. And 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 I, I just suppose I'm in a different frame of mind because I'm literally looking out at the beach right now <laughs> and uh, wondering I'm look, like I'm looking at Justin and no offense to him but that's way <laughs> less sexy than the beach. <laughs> so I, I just don't think this is on like on Kyle Dubas at all. And and I'll tell you what's kind of revealing like um, my colleague Pierre LeBrun you know put together a story last night kind of looking at the core and looking at what comes next and he put this in his story and he was telling us he was texting you know, other executives around the league kind of trying to, to gauge their response and gauge their thoughts on why this Leafs team is down 3-0. And the response he got from most executives is, I don't even want to be quoted anonymously because I think Kyle has done well here and I don't want to put him in a tough spot. And that's mm. pretty telling to me. Like, I don't think if Kyle Dubas is not extended um, and and. For the record, I think the Leafs should have done everything in their power to try and extend him earlier this season. And and I would have no problem with Kyle Dubas coming back, you know, whatsoever. Um, but I, I think if Kyle Dubas is not the general manager of the Leafs when his contract term 
you know, on the final day of his contract, I, I don't think he'll be out of work for long. No. Um, and, and to me, like, that speaks to, you know, again, the fact that for me, he is so low down on those power rankings in terms of whose fault this is. I, I have been a Kyle Dubas skeptic previously, uh, but I think the only thing you can criticize him for this year is believing in his core too much. Uh, honestly, I, I just, he supported four players who, like on paper, deserve that support, deserve to have belief in them, deserve to be inspired by changes made around them, and they've let him down, frankly, and it's uh, obviously quite unfortunate. I do want to ask, like, or like pose, like the first positive moment of, of the entire day, uh, and that's really? to ask you, Too Josh, soon. about Joe Wall, who is pretty damn good in relief of Ilya Samsonov. Yeah, Joe Wall is is has got to be the Leafs you know, full backup next season. And I think we should start to get ready for Joe Wall, Leafs starter, you know, at some point in the Leafs in the near future. Um, that was a story I wrote about. Not, maybe not the, the, the first story everybody wants to read at The Athletic this morning, but that was the story I wrote about. Like Elias Samsonov, again, we haven't even talked about the fact that one of their, their best stories of the year, Samsonov, he left the game with an injury. And, and in, in any other circumstance, right, that would be the talking point. Like, oh, no, how are the Leafs going to go forward without their goalie? Like, that's not even a talking point this morning. But Joe Wall comes in. This is a, a guy that, you know, just a few years ago was a suboptimal AHL goaltender. And there were real questions asked about, you know, whether he'd have an NHL future. And, again, like, I don't think I'm alone in saying that, like, he's earned the, the, the trust and the faith of, of Leafs management, the Leafs fan base, to kind of carry the torch moving forward. And it looks like he's going to start in game four. You know, I know you guys were talking before you had me on about whether or not you learned anything from Sheldon Keith post game. The only thing I learned was just a, a very short sentence. Like, you know, Sheldon Keith just said, he's ready for this. Mm-hmm. And to me, this is, this is the moment. This is him moving forward. And it was a slight little indictment to me at the rest of the team being like, I don't know if you're ready for this <laughs> yeah. being the moment. But the fact that Joe Wall, who literally has a handful of NHL games on his resume, looked ready, you know, again, to, to put a positive spin on it, it's like this is a guy that you, you probably are going to rely upon big time next season because, yes, Samsonov is an RFA, and, and I think he has deserved, you know, a contract to, to, to come back. I don't know if there's a world in which Matt Murray, you know, plays next season for the Leafs. You know, I, I think they acquired that, that 30th overall pick, you know, next year to, to maybe, why, I wonder if it's dangled in a buyout. I know. But, yeah, that's where we're at with Joe Wall. He was fantastic. <laughs> he, was, he was mentally composed, um, and he deserved the very few notes of positivity that, that, that came out of last night. Uh, Josh, time slipped away from us a little bit there. We kept you long. We definitely, definitely appreciate the time. Uh, soak up the rays while you're there. You get an extra day. That's not the worst thing in the world for traveling media. Uh, but yeah, big game for this week. And uh, yeah, hopefully get some get some beach time in. Why not? Yeah, I'm trying to convince uh, Siegel to go to, to the Heat playoff game tonight. What are my odds there? I mean, that should be an obvious yes. Should no? be fun. Yeah. You guys got per diem. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna send him. I'm gonna send him this 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 clip of this show because he needs to be convinced. There you go. I don't, Gord, I don't know why him, he needs to be convinced. You can tell him Gord Stelic will rough him up if he uh, doesn't say yes to your offer. Okay, that's a little inside joke for for him and Gord over there. There you go. Got it. Got there it. you go. Thanks, Josh. We appreciate it.
Yeah, anytime, boys. Uh, that was Josh Cloak, Maple Leafs reporter at The Athletic, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. How much would your mood have been improved by looking at waves and sunshine when, instead of pitch black when you woke up and cold because we're in Ontario? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Because for me, honestly, zero. I would just be like, wow, this is great. I These guys couldn't put themselves in a good frame of mind with this beautiful vista in front of them. There is nothing that could have made today even remotely better. I, I mean, in the first hour, we talked about just being outside is the way to cope, whether it's walking yes, the dog, dog watering walk. the lawn, doing something, staring into the abyss. I could stare at the at the beach and maybe distract myself for I a little do bit. That. I'm a but big... Seagull, go to the game. I mean, what do you want to you want to get a head start on the eulogy? You got three days to do the eulogy. Go to the game. I could I could, I could write it right now. And let me tell you, everybody else on that beat could because they've had a lot of practice. Yes. Had a lot of practice. Let's get to one text before we go oh, to okay. break. And before we get to awaken rake, uh n- First reminder, so there's not many picks in. If you got a pick for tonight, we need it because uh, I have not reminded you to send no. those Wake and Rake Been a selections in. A little preoccupied this morning. But this is from Jordan from East Garafraxa. Uh, not sure if that's real or not. You might have to nothing. double check that for me. Uh, from the coach to GM to the president, all aspects of authority in this club are soft. All the players know the coach can't rip them. He had to go back on his comments about softness. Mm-hmm. Dubas has lost every negotiation with the stars. Shanny nowhere to be found. Players hold all the power and give zero Fs. Paychecks keep coming no matter what with a shrug emoji. I can't uh, argue with much of that. Yeah. Shambles in our brains. Well, that's really, that's the one. We go yeah. back to that. Shambles in the brains, B-ways. But it's tough when your first or second shot's a B-way, so... <laughs> imagine oh saying God. B-way in this like imagine being cutesy no, about I can't. I actually, hockey terms God, I'm so he said that last night that was a quote from last give it to night me one more time I want to get angry again but it's tough when your first or second shot's a B-way so a, a B-way it's hey, a B-way bads you want to go watch some B-ball <laughs> we let Joe Wall get a B-way I, w- I will say this is an actual sentient point about the game I'm about to make I do think it really helps Joe Wall just right into the fire if let's say last night Samsonov and it's a rough game and Keith goes, all right, we got to try something here. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I don't think he would have announced it right after the game, but it comes out the wall's going to get the start. He has three days of sleeping on it to think about it. It was so much better for him to just get his feet wet in the playoffs in this way. And the fact that it ended up being a, you know, again, not positive story for the Leafs, but a very positive one for him. You, you can say all the bad things you want about the Leafs, no bad things about him. I think it actually really helped him that it wasn't a planned start, that it was just go in there, get your feet wet. The way these guys are playing, there's no way you're the story one way or another. It's only good, and it was. There's a chance that in, like, the minds of Leaf fans, it's all wreckage with Joe Wall just, you know, standing there, yep. you know, battle-tested. Exactly. But every, everything else has gone to absolute hell, and Joe Wall is standing there uh, unflinching. Hopefully, at least there's some good, positive story, something to cling on to with the Maple Leafs, who are, again, down 3 nothing in their second-round series to the Florida Panthers. We will continue discussion on the Leafs. We will touch a little bit on the Toronto Blue Jays, who swept away the Pittsburgh Pirates over the weekend. And, of course, we'll do the wake and rake. That is next. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so there are a lot of big picture items we'll tackle here because we're kind of like pre-writing the eulogy because mm-hmm. uh, the confidence level in the Maple Leafs coming back, winning four in a row, advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals, slim. Uh, we'll still leave it open. Maybe we'll get less takey 
If you, if you want to do that, as that's it goes okay. By. I'm telling you, it's done. No, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. And okay. we have to, uh, we'll, we'll pick up on those items as the week goes. We've got plenty of time because they're playing these games weeks apart, which is frustrating <laughs> when it seems like the death march is already on. But I think the first one and the one that we've kind of circled today, we've been circling around it, is the idea that Sheldon Keefe could be part of the problem mm-hmm. and whether or not just making that move, just getting Sheldon Keefe uh, removing him from his post would be enough to at least inspire this group if left as is in any discernible way. What are your thoughts on that? Why would it? We have yet to see that happen. We have seen Sheldon Keefe have to walk back. He's tried to, he's tried to coach the team and he has called them out. Soft was the word used. This was two years ago in New York. He did the exact same thing this year, had to walk it back as, as well. If that's going to be the tenor that has to be taken with this core, and why would it change? If, if it didn't change last year, heading into this year, when everything was on the table, why would anything else change? There is no person with more coaching pedigree that you could get than a guy like Mike Babcock. I'm not saying he's the best coach they could have gotten, but I'm saying if pedigree is the only issue, if the issue is the team sitting there going, oh, what's this guy ever won? Who's he to tell me anything? Well, eh. Look in the mirror and take that exact same tact with yourself, but why would a coach make things any different? I can hear the idea of a new coach bump. And if you were if you were having this conversation because the team was struggling in November or whatever, I can understand that. But can tactics change? Yes. Can things be stressed differently? Yes. But what did we spend the whole year talking about? That things were changing and the tactics had changed. And then it was a different hockey team. And then the games matter and it's the exact same group again. So it goes back to the exact same point. Will the core four, or as somebody very, uh, very funnily texted in, the show them the door for. That's mm. how people are feeling today. I like that. I did like that. Sorry about forgetting your name and location. Always include a 595.90 on the text line. Is just why would it change? That's what I keep going back to. Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, I definitely think it's fair. I think it would be so overly hopeful and probably damaging so that you would expect, hey, things will be different this time if we have someone new, if we have a third coach in charge of this group. However, I will say I think... And I just think they have to make the move for a couple reasons. I do think there's an authority issue. I do think his authority has been undermined. I don't know the extent of it. Mm -hmm. But when a coach is forced to rack back comments, to not apologize, but basically apologize for saying things, like you kind of know you have one up on the teacher that way, right? Uh When the substitute comes in or whatever, and you know there's a substitute, you kind of know you can get away with whatever. You know that the authority isn't probably what it should be in a real hierarchical sort of situation. I think that's one thing. But also, if you have been outcoached multiple times in playoff series, and we just talked to Josh Cloak, mm-hmm. he said he thought that happened with John Cooper, despite them winning. And the way they started this series, where clearly the tactics were off, they started off on the wrong foot, in large part because of Sheldon Keefe, in my opinion. I thought his matchup game was terrible, was way off base. There's no chance they should have approached the series the way that they did. They dug themselves a hole, and now they've only dug themselves into a deeper, deeper, deeper hole after starting out the way they did in game one. I think those are two things you can point to and be like, okay, we can make some improvements here. But again, I think this the stink is far deeper than coaching. The stench is far deeper than just what's happening behind the bench 
and in pregame speeches. There is something going on with this group of players where they can't elevate to the extent that the Leon Dreisaitl, Jack Hughes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, go down the road. Basically look at any team playing right now and teams that are not playing right now and look at what their stars did in big moments. It is different. They don't regress, they elevate. And this is something this team cannot do. So it's not just a coaching thing, but I do think the coach has to wear a lot of this failure right now. Yeah, I I don't put it as much on the coach. I want to be clear. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. One of the most baffling decisions I've seen Keith made make his, in his entire tenure is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was the first Tampa game. He had made nine line changes in the first 37 seconds of that game, playing the matchup game, chasing it. Matthews and Marner couldn't get on. Tavares and Nylander weren't getting on to start that game. I hate it when you try to overcoach in that regard. So maybe that's why I put less of it on him. But if we would have liked Keefe to have thrown out there who we want him to have out there, I just don't have the belief that it would have gone any differently because for so so often we have come back to that exact same conversation of starting on time or being prepared or showing up in the moment, however you want to phrase it, is just I don't know that it's on the coach. I want to be clear. He's had enough cracks. Clearly, you're not responding. you got to try to fix it. You're not going to blow up the entire core. So, yes, you have to find a new voice. You have to try things. But I don't know that it's Keefe. Again, I go to the point. Has he made coaching mistakes? 1,000%. Has he been, at times, outcoached by a guy like John Cooper, who is probably the new Mike Babcock in terms of the de facto, okay, this guy's going to coach Team Canada whenever we'll get one of those uh, uh, again? Has that happened? Yes. But I think it's because his star players haven't lived up to their end of the deal. I don't think it's because he's not putting them he's not running them away from Philippe Deneau or Anthony Sorelli or whoever it is I think that at the end of the day not to say you don't try to avoid those guys a little bit but Austin Matthews should be better than Anthony Sorelli or Philippe Deneau or whoever you want to pick I can't even begin to imagine where it all starts and I don't even think it starts with Shanahan I don't think it starts with Dubas or Keefe it starts at the very top and then who is given a chance to go again what decisions trickle down from there Again, writing the ULG one game too soon here, but the amount of questions I'll hovering say, over this franchise right now, immeasurable. I'll say now I am, it, so long as he wants it, I am confident that Kyle Dubas is back. I think that the way the deadline played out and when you look at the mistakes that are being made by this group right now, it's not Kyle Dubas's mistakes. Now, if 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 the idea is that they have been that you have just completely bent over and capitulated everywhere to them, then the die is cast and you have to completely move on. Because if the issue is, what do we think? A new GM is going to come in here and all of a sudden these guys go, oh, I don't have the rule of the roost anymore. No, they're still going to, if that's the issue. So that's why I think Dubas is back kind of no matter what happens the, the rest of this Really, way. no matter what, eh? Well, I mean, the, the, we're already here. If I'm saying this at 03, no, 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 04 just, isn't going to change anything for me. I would probably put it at about... I would say less than 50% he's back, but he would be, if I had a chopping block, yep. the head's in order. Okay. would be Sheldon Keefe, Brendan Shanahan, then Kyle Dubas. Yep. I think I, he's least culpable in their in their failures. I here. would wholeheartedly agree with that. Shanahan, I continue to say it, and I, I say it half-jokingly, I know he's busy. I know he does stuff. What? I don't know. You know, when we talk about roster construction, we talk about Kyle Dubas. When we talk about coaching decisions, rightfully so, we talk about Sheldon Keefe. If culture is the issue... And that's the whole point of the Shanna plan and having mm -hmm. the guy at the top, the disease of blue and white. And again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Brendan Shanahan's the reason they're not getting it done. The reason they're not getting it done is because the big boys aren't showing up. 
But I think that that is just as much Shanahan's domain as winning your line matchup is for, for Sheldon Keefe and putting together a roster is for Kyle Dubas. My argument on Shanahan is how do you change DNA without cutting off the head of the stake? Yeah. I do think there's a DNA problem. There's a culture problem. And I think the person who sets the culture is Brandon Shanahan. And you say, what is he doing? There's an argument that he's doing too much, Mm -hmm. that he's meddling too much with what Sheldon Keefe's doing, with what Kyle Dubas is doing. And if you're too involved and you're not letting people be who they want to be, is corporate Kyle really corporate Kyle? Or is he more like the guy yelling at Tampa Bay Lightning fans? Does Sheldon Keefe (laughs) want to rip his players or is he allowed to rip his players? I do think there's... Again, you can't connect those dots perfectly because you're just speculating a little bit. But I do think the DNA problems, Shanahan wears in that. Totally. That I I agree with. Uh, Quickly on the Blue Jays, because we don't have much time to do a wake and rake. They were good. Uh, They sweep the Pirates. They answered their four-game sweep at the hands of the Boston Red Sox uh, with three in a row in Pittsburgh. I love how the bottom end of the rotation picked up Manoa and Gosman Mm -hmm. with Bassett, Barrios, and Kikuchi getting the job done in Pittsburgh. They each pitched into the seventh inning and allowed just a combined two earned runs. So a very, very good weekend from the pitching staff, from the bottom end of the rotation. Great stuff there, but it was all about the offense as well. I mean, they just absolutely went off in the weekend. 29 combined hits Saturday, Sunday. That's how you sweep an opponent. Yeah, uh, not how you get swept by an opponent, which is what we've been talking about all morning. 10-1 yesterday. That's what you have to do. You you went into Boston. You're licking your wounds after that. Look, you're, you're going to do that to the Red Sox a bunch. The Red Sox are going to do that to you a bunch. That's life in the ALEs, baby. Uh, you got to go and take care of business against a putrid Pirates team. And it always helps when it's just in the most, you know, I know everybody likes to say like, oh, Wrigley Fenway. That's got to be one of the best, if not the best ballpark. So it just looked awesome doing it aesthetically pleasing and uh, very much needed eyewash for everybody who's uh, been watching this Leafs Panthers. Series. The only issue, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had to sit out with a wrist issue, some wrist soreness. So Don't something like to that. monitor there. Well, you know, the good thing is, is that we have never had a superstar in their 20s that's dealt with wrist injuries that have, <laughs> that have derailed the season after a guy's had an MVP caliber year. We've never seen that in this market. I wouldn't know anything about that, Justin. So no need to worry there. All right. We got about four minutes. Let's hit the wake and rake. Wake up. Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money. With Ailish and Justin. Okay. So just one game in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Two games in the association with the Warriors and Lakers. Primed to do battle in game four. Do you have a lean for tonight, Gunner? Yeah, I do. I like I like the Lakers. Just straight up money line. I like them. LeBron, he won't allow it to happen. We didn't get to it today. He's coming off the best day in history of his family for many <laughs> generations. He's going to do it. Uh, the king. Stay the king. Uh, I like uh, Lakers. Straight money line tonight. Minus 155 right now for the Lakers. little surprised it's that long, but uh, reason to... Or reason to believe in in LeBron James. I can't believe this turnaround for the LA Lakers. I mean, I thought they were dead and buried, and all of a sudden they got a chance with the seas parting a little bit. Although getting through either Phoenix or Denver will be a challenge. Uh, I'll stay in this association. I'm going to take the Miami Heat tonight. Minus four and a half uh, uh, favorites, minus 110. I just feel like they're the better team. They have captured something that few teams could even imagine. I mean, it's Florida Panthers-esque. Good time to be in Miami right now. Uh, I'll take the Miami Heat to take complete control of their series. Four and a half point favorites at home. The athletic boys, Cloak and Siegel, can uh, can celebrate that one uh, down in South Beach. Uh, we have four anchor picks 
at my disposal right now. I will run through them quick because we're down to about a minute left in the show. Corey from Port Hope likes the Knicks plus four. I'm going to have to veto that one. Uh, I believe this is Ron and Jules. Uh, Ron likes Edmonton over, and Jules likes the Curry over five and a half assists. Eric from Burlington. Leafs and shambles, but the BUA chat made me laugh, so thanks, guys. His pick is the Rays on the run line. The Orioles can score, but not against McClanahan. And finally, Ian the Snowplow driver, probably a popular one today, Vegas and Edmonton over seven. He's got it at seven. I think a six and a half is available. Anything stand out to you there? Uh, yeah, go with Oilers in Vegas. McDavid minus 210 to have at least two points tonight. Yeah, that tells you all you need to know about where Vegas is leaning on that game, and rightfully so. I think I like that one. And how Edmonton's superstars are performing right now. We have to pay. <laughs> I also saw pay. somebody mount mount someone and punch them because they were mad. I would have honestly just settled for that last night, quite frankly. So six goals in the series for Leon Dreisaitl. That matches what the Leafs have total yep. through three games. So Dreisaitl can take the lead over the entire Maple Leafs roster tonight. If if he can get back on the scoreboard. I didn't think it was possible for someone to outshine McDavid, a healthy, healthy-ish McDavid. Mm-hmm. I think he's banged up a little bit. But Leon Dreisaitl has both hands on the Conspite Trophy right now. Yeah, he's been a phenomenal player. I, I am. It's always a tough conversation when you're playing beside the best player on the planet of how much is you, how much is the light being shined elsewhere, but you can't take anything away from his play right now. He's been phenomenal. It makes me sick to say it, but he's been phenomenal. Uh, I am such a newbie at putting together wake and rake parlays. Uh, it is plus 446, the Lakers, the heat on the spread, and the over six and a half between the Oilers and the Golden Knights. Gunner, this was fun despite the circumstances. <laughs> uh, we will be back tomorrow. We're going to have to tackle some more big picture items because people are already preparing the funeral for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, maybe Jeannie Buss can get in a fight with somebody at the Lakers-Warriors game tonight. That'd be nice. I'd we like to talk about that again. Yes. Uh, we'll chat tomorrow. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, Gunner, let's do this. Let's go. But it's tough when your first or second shot's a B-way, so...